So welcome to this morning's Power Call. We were going to be listening to uh, the minister speak on the characteristics of a true believer, but that lecture has been now deleted. So we had to make a, a quick pivot. Uh, so we're going to watch an interview that he did with Felicia Monet or Monette. Don't know how to say it exactly, but it's, it's one of them for sure. This is a great interview. So uh, if, if you're here for the first time, if you're viewing the stream for the first time, what we do on the Zoom call is every morning, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. on the Power Call, we watch a lecture, read an article, something of the sort. And at the end, we want you to share what stood out to you. So um, during the lecture, we would like for you and encourage you to take notes, not just for yourself, uh, well, not just for us, but for yourself. But we would like for you to share what stands out uh, for you because it's something that God puts inside of you. There's a thought, there is a something that hits you. And when you share you from your testimonial side of you, um, it's always impactful for the rest of us. We are going to ask, we I had a, you know, uh, a meeting with our, with our admin team yesterday. We're going to have uh, everyone give feedback between three to five minutes. Now, okay. Between three in five minutes is what we want to keep our feedback to because we have to be fair because this thing is growing. So we don't want anybody to raise their hand and then somebody's going too long and they got to put their hand down because they think they're not going to speak. We got to end at 10 a.m. Central Time as well. So between now, the lecture and my meeting, my next meeting, we want to get as much feedback as possible. So if you're talking and you notice that you on mute. It's probably because one of the admins hit that mute button because you got three to five minutes for your feedback. Now, you can come back again after we let other people go, but we can't keep doing the long drawn out more than uh, five minutes because we want to get as many people to give their feedback. We want to hear from as many people as possible. OK. All right. Let's go. Let's go ahead and get right on into it. First, um, let me say that I am honored and humbled to be here in this moment um it's it's i'm almost kind of speechless this is a very surreal uh moment for me um but i'm so very thankful i'm thankful for you i'm thankful for your teachings um your words your fearlessness um your contributions to our culture um, so with that said, uh, I am humbled to be able to sit and have a very real, open, and honest conversation uh, with you. Um, welcome the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm honored myself to be a part of your show. Thank you. And as we prayed before we entered this conversation. Yes. My prayer is also that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable in the sight of God because the minds of our listeners mm. are sacred. And the only thing that the mind, human mind, should feed on is truth. So I pray that this will be one hour filled with truth and the power that the truth conveys. 
as I'm sure it will. So justice or else, we are getting ready to come up on the 20 year anniversary of the Million Man March, 10-10-15. Uh, um, and I'm curious as to what the or else means. Whenever God sends a prophet into the world to bring both guidance and warning, in the guidance and the warning is contained a threat. Mm. So when the wicked do not respond properly to the guidance that is given and the warning that is given to move away from the wrath of God, then the threat mm. becomes their destruction. So as it was in the days of Noah, when the minds of the people were continually to do evil, Noah warned them. And the warning continued for almost 150 years. And the people went on with their lives. And as both the Bible and, and especially the Bible and the Quran says, they were drinking, they were partying, they were giving in marriage. They were doing those things that they were doing while they continued to do evil. So in that hour, the threat came to pass and God killed them all except those few that got in the ark. And so it was in this dual city of Sodom and Gomorrah that is a real city in Palestine. And the people were engaged in an action that is considered an abomination. And God sent Lot through Abraham to warn them that their behavior was unacceptable to God. And they were offered a chance to change and they did not. So two angels entered Sodom. They were guests in the house of the prophet Lot. And the wicked came to the house of Lot seeking to have sex with the angels who were men. And Lot offered them his two daughters and they didn't want the daughters, they wanted the men. And so death came. The cities were overturned. Everyone was killed except Lot and his family his two daughters and his wife was of those ordained to be left behind. Those things are put in the Bible and Quran as signs and warnings because in the Bible it says as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. So yes, what good is it 
to say justice and there's no threat. We don't have time to play with the principle of justice. Mm. Justice is a principle of fair dealing. We have never been dealt fairly since our fathers set the soles of their feet in the Western Hemisphere. Neither have our indigenous brothers and sisters called Native Americans. They haven't been dealt fair with fairly. Neither have the Mexicans and so many others. So justice is what we want. And we're not playing with the government of the United States of America. We are demanding what God demands of us and there definitely is an or else from us but the biggest or else comes from God himself. Hmm. You speak of justice. Clearly we don't know what that is as long as we've been here. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Is that even obtainable? You know, that's a, <laughs> that's a great question. I have a lot. There's a lot going on in my mind, Minister. It, it's all right. <laughs> the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, justice is a principle of fair dealing. Mm -hmm. Justice is the law that distinguishes between right and wrong. But he also said, justice is a weapon that God will use in the day of judgment. He said, if justice were in the world, there would not need to be a judgment. But since the world is run by a satanic mind and justice is not the order of the day justice is denied and as Martin Luther King said the universal arc of justice or the arc of the universe bends toward justice so even if I can't get justice in the courts of America which are run by white supremacists. Mm -hmm. That is not the court that ultimately has justice in its grip. So Thomas Jefferson said, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and his justice cannot sleep forever. So what is it? It's what you sow, you have to reap it. That law is at work every single day of our lives. If the courts don't do their job, the law of justice contained in the universe will do that job. Mm. No man or woman can escape the consequences of their actions. So in the Quran, there's a section that says every deed has its consequence. And this is the day when the God of justice will give to every man, every woman, every nation what that nation has earned.
And so the Quran says you will see every nation bowing down before its book. Mm. Everything is written. And the evil of America, a great evil that America has done to the indigenous people, a great evil America has done to the blacks who didn't come here on the Nina the Pinta or the Santa Maria, but the transatlantic slave trade is a crime that they have not paid for yet, but this is reaping time. I'm happy to announce to the enemies of justice, your time has come and you will not escape the wrath of God. And the sad thing is when Thomas Jefferson said he trembles, he was in present time trembling for his people in a future time. Mm -hmm. Nobody escapes. So the children of Jefferson today that have lived deliciously based upon what he did and the evil of what he did and the justice that he didn't do but he knew one day they would have to pay mm. and I am here mm. to warn America this is that time and you will pay justice or else and since you didn't do justice the or else is now present in America and in the world, this world's time is up. Hmm. Hmm. Do you think um, white people can help aid in the fight for justice, our generation, the hmm. younger people, in a very compassionate and genuine way and not out of a sense of guilt. This generation speaking. Well, let's deal with the principle of justice. The scripture says, set up slaughter for the children even to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. You can't get away just because you're white and young mm. from the evil of your parents unless you are willing to do what you made O.J. Simpson do. He won in the court. The court said he was not guilty. But they went back in civil court and found him responsible. Young white people, you didn't do this. But you're in a place of benefit now because of what your fathers did. I like that movie, The, the Godfather. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, when Michael was in church at the christening of his sister's child the priest asked them Michael do you do you believe in God he said yes and then Michael do you renounce Satan 
and all his works, boy. And Michael said, I do, but at the same time, he was killing all the members of the five families. See, justice, you can't play with it. The hearts of black people want to include white people in the quest of justice. And that's your good heart. Mm. But white people now have to earn a pass. And the only way they can earn a pass from what their fathers have done is to accept the responsibility that they're in the good position that they're in because of what was done to us and to the native people of this hemisphere. So my question to you for them is, are you willing to accept responsibility and help in the cause of justice for those who have been deprived? That's your past. But if you prove to be just like your fathers, then prepare slaughter for the children, for the evil of their fathers, even to the fourth and third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Nobody gets a pass today except by the mercy of God. Not you, not I, not your mother, not your father. Everybody has to give an account for how you lived your life. So today, whatever you put out, expect it back. This is the time of judgment and justice. And I thank God for such a horrible hour for the wicked, mm -hmm. but a great hour for those of us who have suffered at their hands. You've lived through so many um, decades of, and you've been fighting for justice. And you've been fighting for the equality of black, brown people. Um, did you ever think that we would still be here. Some people feel, and you know, I, I talked to my, my father and he's just like, oh, you don't know what it's like. You know, you, you, you young kids got it good. And it's almost like this sense of, um, it is a thing of a past. But for me and my generation, I feel like we're still dealing with it in a very real way. Does it feel different for you? Because you were, there fighting and you're here now fighting how were we fighting we were fighting for simple things not really for justice to be accepted by the white man in his places of business mm where we were rejected. We couldn't be buried in a cemetery with them. We couldn't go to a toilet that said white, you know. But we wanted to change that. That's not justice. That's simple mm. dignity of a fellow human being. That's not justice. And we had to die to integrate a toilet. Mm -hmm. We had to die to integrate a, 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 a lunch counter. 
we had to kneel down and pray that's not justice we never got justice even the simple dignity of spending our money with our former slave masters and their children broke us not them integration never helped us it helped them because our consumer dollars went more to them than to ourselves when your father was growing up if he grew up in the south we had to spend our money with ourselves because white folk didn't want our dollars in their stores boy that's something so we had our own black baseball teams. You, you may not remember, but your dad does. We had our own little things. All of a sudden, Jackie Robinson. Do you think the white man really wanted Jackie? Except that Jackie would bring black people to the white ballpark and they would be wealthy while black people got a little bit of money? with an elastic band on it from white people? That they give you money and take it right back because you don't know how to use your wealth? Because you've never been taught? No, we weren't fighting for justice. We wanted to be close to our former slave masters. We wanted to be accepted by them. And so when it looked like they accepted us mm. with this hypocritical trick of integration, we end up right where we are right now, still crying out for justice. You said it yourself. You didn't know what justice was. Justice ain't going to a toilet with a white man. Justice is not going to school sitting with white children. Justice is getting the knowledge that will allow you to provide for yourself. Mm. They never wanted you to have that kind of knowledge. So here we are. But the fight is coming to an end. We're in the championship rounds now. <laughs> and we will win. Real justice comes from God because a white man don't have it in him to give it. Mm -hmm. In terms of um, police brutality, um, a report, I, I just read an article earlier this week that said that um, the races that are most likely to be killed by police officers are of course African Americans and Native Americans at a larger rate because they make up smaller of the, the population. Um, how important is it to make sure that we are unified uh, between the black community, the Native American community, and the Latino community as well in this, in this fight? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, Our unity is more powerful than the acquisition of a hydrogen or atomic bomb. We've waded in, prayed in, cried in, crawled in. Mm we've marched we've we've sat down and done things that 
remove dignity from us just to be accepted? We've never tried unity. And even though we talk unity, we don't know what that is. Mm. But the enemy does. Because every time we try to unite, he comes in between it to keep us weak so that we can't get the things that we should get that God has asked for us. Freedom, justice, equality. We could get it overnight if we were united. So that's our fight. Our fight today is to unify the black man first. Because you can't get unity with the brown if you're not unified among yourself. You can't get unity with the red if you're not unified among yourself. Charity starts with self and home. Then it spreads abroad. So yes, we want unity with the brown. We want unity with the red. We want unity with those who struggle like we struggle. But the first unity is with self. So Jesus said this. I give you a commandment this day. Moses gave ten. Jesus gave two. But the two commandments that Jesus gave were more powerful than the ten that Moses gave. So the scripture says, Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's stop there for a minute. Mm. See, if I love God, man, he's worthy to be loved. He's not worthy to be loved with something of myself. Because myself is what he gave me. I owe him all. So don't ask me to pledge allegiance to a flag that hasn't done nothing for me. I give my allegiance to God who gave me life, who gave me my gift, who gave me eyes to see and ears to hear and a tongue to speak and hands to form what comes of, as a vision in my mind. Who gives gifts better than God? So I have nothing for a flag that does nothing for me. I owe it all to God. And the second commandment, he said, is like unto the first. Love your neighbor as who? Myself. Yourself. One guy was listening to Jesus and he thought he would be smart and he asked Jesus a question. Well, who is my neighbor? That's a good question. Because now we're defining who is the neighbor that we should love as ourselves. That's a big thing. Black folk don't know who to love. Mm -hmm. 
and you don't know who to love if you don't first love God and then love yourself. How can you love what you don't know? Hmm. You don't know yourself. And the enemy made sure that we would never know the reality of who we are. Yeah. So Jesus said, well, he didn't answer the man directly. He gave him a parable. A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and on the way he fell among thieves who hit him in his head and robbed him of his raiment and left him half dead in the road. A priest walked by. Surely we should love the priest. Uh, but he walked by on the other side. Then a Levite came and a Levite looked at the poor man laying there and did nothing. Well, the priest wasn't neighborly. The Levite wasn't neighborly. But then along came the good Samaritan who saw the man laying in the road, poured oil in his wound, bound up his wound, took him to an innkeeper and said, innkeeper, I'm giving you two pence. If it's more than what I've given you on my return, I'll take care of the bill. Which one of these did the neighborly thing? See, the church has not been our friend. That's why Pope Francis is down in, in South America, he's back in Rome now, but he asked Ecuador, Bolivia, Uruguay, would you forgive the church? Forgive the church? I thought the church represented Jesus. Did Jesus do anything wrong to the people of Bolivia, to the people of Uruguay, to the people of Ecuador? Jesus is not guilty, but the church is guilty of the slaughter of the indigenous people of this hemisphere. So the Pope asked for forgiveness, but they haven't done the neighborly thing. Mm. White America, you've been neighborly to us? Mm. Man, if the church has failed, and it really has failed now, So God comes out of the shadows to help us come up out of this condition. So I, I, I'm in love with God. He has no equal, no partner. And I ain't sharing my love for God with an enemy that don't deserve my love. It's my people who've been victimized that deserve my love and deserve the love of God. And it is out of that love that I've worked for 60 years mm. and I'm not tired. And I know I'll be the winner in the end, living or dead. Yeah, I guess I answered that question. <laughs> We speak um, in terms of unifying um, within us first. Um, I'm curious as to do you, how much does um, financial wealth 
contribute to that unifying and your thoughts on um, sovereignty if if that is something that will also gain us unity um, within our culture first as well uh, wealth uh, of course can help but that was the problem with the children of Israel under Pharaoh they were so enamored by the wealth of Pharaoh they didn't want to hear God calling them out of Egypt because he wanted to give them a land so that they could have an independent sovereign existence mm -hmm. under the guidance of God so man they were so fascinated by the wealth of Pharaoh Moses had to pray to God to destroy the wealth of Pharaoh so that the children of Israel wouldn't be dazzled by Pharaoh's wealth and finally accept God's command to come out of her so that God may make them into the greatest nation that had ever existed. So it is today we're fascinated by America's wealth. The bling bling if you will. So many of us think that when we sing a song calling our women female dogs and referring to them as prostitutes and talking about our bus a cap in you and all this vile filth and the white man gives us money for saying that mm. you can't talk about them like that but you can talk about your own like that that's what makes me sick when I hear you sick Negroes talking about how terrible it is to hate. How terrible it is. We shouldn't hate. Well, if it's so bad that we shouldn't hate, somebody should come in the black community and teach us how to love ourselves and love one another, then we wouldn't be going to the hospital and to the morgue every weekend and only find a spirit to march when the same killer who has killed us ever since we've been here kills us again, then we'll march. We should have been marching to stop the violence that we commit against ourselves. So the real question is, if hate is bad, then tell the white man, come into the black community and teach us like Martin taught us to love you. You ought to come in and stop the acts of violence that you do and somebody got to turn that nonviolence around and teach us nonviolent love toward each other. Look how easy it is for our beloved people to forgive the white man. Kill nine people. Mm. And how easy it was for us to say, I forgive. But that's the way we are. That's the way we've been taught and made. But the question that white folk gotta ask, is the God of justice gonna forgive? Right now, uh, somebody's on uh, television uh, over the two little white boys that was uh, sailing and got lost mm -hmm. 
and they've raised a hundred and thirty thousand uh, dollars I think to help find those uh, two young boys but mr. what's that boy name the white boy that killed nine of us in Charleston oh Dylan yeah Dylan Roof, Roof. they've raised over four million dollars for him to make sure he gets a fair trial stop it mm. No, you don't want a fair trial. You raised four million dollars so he could get off. Right. Like the rest of your brothers do when they kill us. I'm sorry. Your time has come. Your court system is collapsing. We can't find justice in you. So the God of justice is on scene today. And he threatens you with absolute death. He threatens you to take your country from you. It's written in your Bible. Go read it. He takes the kingdom from whom he pleases. And he gives it to whom he pleases. Well, I hope we recognize that it pleases him. That we have some of this earth that we can call our own. Now, white folks, you'll have a chance to give us what we demand. And I'm sure you'll act by us like you do by everything you give us. You find a way to take it back. You promised us 40 acres and a mule. We haven't got that yet. You passed the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments. You haven't enforced none of them. You passed the voting rights bill and we were so happy because we could vote now. And then the Supreme Court reversed it recently, the protection clause of it. What do we have that you gave us that you didn't find a way in the skill of deceitful language to take it back? We can't trust your words. We trust the God and the will of God in his word justice is coming oh the Bible calls it in a great and dreadful day of the Lord great for the righteous but dreadful for the wicked that's the time we've arrived at so we're gonna get some sovereignty we're gonna get some land because that's what God has promised Yes. I think I answered that. I hope I did. <laughs> Good. Um, Riches and sovereignty, right? Yes. Yes. Um, as a woman, as a mother, speaking, you know, with, with my sisters, how can we help? What is required of us? Ooh, that's so big. Our women are the key. A nation is taken down through the woman and a nation goes up through the woman. Hmm. You mean everything to our struggle. And the sad thing about when a conquering army comes to a nation to fight for whatever that nation has in terms of land or mineral wealth, 
when the conquering army conquers the army of that nation they have conquered the men of that nation and the prize to the conqueror is the woman they have access to the material wealth of that country they have access to the real wealth of that country which is the woman the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, your woman is like your field through which you produce your future. Any farmer that produces a crop, he works to destroy the enemies of that crop. You are our earth. And from you, every good thing that we've ever produced came from you. And the sad thing about it when you love your black man and you marry him because in him you find someone that you are attracted to that you believe will be a good man for you only to find as time goes on he's not all that you thought he should be and nature has put in you a demand and nature has put in us a demand on you. Your demand has to be met before our demand from you can be met. The Quran, in the fourth chapter, the first verse says, Keep your duty to Allah as it ought to be kept. Wow. Allah who created you from a single essence and he created your mate of the same and he put in you a demand that you make on each other your nature demands something from a man and a man's nature demands something from you you cannot expect the woman to give you what you demand if you in the first place don't give her what her nature demands her nature demands a man to maintain to uplift to help to guide to be a provider for and a protector of that's her nature and what you get from her in return for being a man is what God put in every woman. The consolation, the care, the love that makes a man willing to go out and work the field or fight the enemy to come back home. To be loved, to be nurtured again by the brilliant mind of a woman that was not just created for pleasure but she's your second self and in her is the same thing that's in you from God and so when you get married sometimes you have your first child in your husband that's very disappointing to hear but Elijah Muhammad set up a class. He knew we were not the men 
that we could be every man out there is capable of satisfying the woman that married him but she has to know now how to help him to be the great man that he's born to be and so our women have our double job on themselves they have to rear the children that come from a marriage but they also have to help that man to be what they hoped he would be and that's where we run out of knowledge and that's why men run from women today mm. into the arms of another man mm. oh it's sad I, I'm sorry mm. I, I don't mean to hurt the feelings of our brothers and sisters who are listening I love you all and I know that no man playing a woman can be a woman and no woman playing a man can be a man when the real thing comes along you have to take your seat and that's why the world is so upset because the men are broken we are broken and you already have been the booty of the conqueror mm. we couldn't tell the conqueror you can't sleep with my woman in the south the sheriff could come to the house of a beautiful child of a black man and woman and tell the man send your daughter out to me and he would take that young girl and do with her what he pleased and send her back like a piece of garbage and we suffered that kind of thing and what do you think that did to a woman hmm. that that man was so weak that the white man could come and demand his daughter and then today some of us are so doggone weak and wicked we'll sleep with our daughters you can't even bring a beautiful girl into the world and as a woman it's your duty to protect your child not let any man even if it's your father or the father and I've seen fathers boy sleep with their daughters make them pregnant and the woman knows that this is going on and she don't have the courage to stand up for the life of her child this is what we confront all the time that's why we need to be separated from this enemy so that the disease of having been a slave can be healed yeah we need to be quarantined for a while mm. to let God work on us as long as you're with the enemy you're gonna continue to be the type of human being that he made you because he made you into himself come out of her my people the scripture says and even Dr. King in the last year of his life said I I can see why separation is necessary for a uh, a time come up with the measles the mumps 
You can't just walk around. They put a sign on your door in the old days. You're quarantined for, so your, your, your health can be restored. Elijah Muhammad said, it's better to teach separation than to teach prayer. There's nothing more powerful than prayer, but praying in the house of the enemy and living the life of the enemy, you still victimized as a praying slave, a praying freak. So we can continue to pray because prayer is the greatest force to restrain us from the doing of evil but as long as you stay in the cesspool that made you sick yeah. Yeah. all your prayers will never make you righteous yeah. we gotta leave him yeah. and go into a land of our own where we can be healed and cleansed and made whole again that God may use us for his glory you know excuse me uh, my dear sister Monet yes <laughs> you know I'm I'm full and the passion that I have is a part of my being at this time because we're getting closer and closer to a time and there's no turning back. America is under divine judgment and so are we. So we can't play around with the truth. We can't use sweet words when it demands straight talk. And who will speak today? A cowardly Muslim? that says I represent the prophet you're a liar if you represented the prophet you would be sending out a warning to a government as low down as the government in which you find refuge for yourself cowardly Christians go along to get along Pastors that are weak, our children in the street dying, and you in the church with the saved, you in the mosque with the so-called saved, when the problem is in the streets. Yes, sir. That's where Jesus was. Yes. That's where Muhammad was. He wasn't in the mosque praying all the time. The man was out there teaching people, mm -hmm. transforming their lives. That's the work of Jesus, not being in a safe place. We got a lot of work to do, my sister. And I'm honored to be on this show with you as we're coming close to the end of our time together. But I heard the beauty of your prayer as you prayed you prayed for yourself and you prayed for me that this would be a meaningful hour of discourse dialogue and I hope that I have
have satisfied your questions and maybe you have one or two more before our time ends I do <laughs> I do um, what does your day look like like I'm just curious like what what time what happens when you wake up in the morning what are you doing throughout the course of your day um, do you do you watch television are you do you get to have a moment where you're in your backyard and you have a, a quiet time are you reading books like what does what does that day look like an average day I really don't spend a lot of time reading books most of them are 90% false and 10% truth mm. I don't have time to sift through madness <laughs> I read the creation of my God. The Quran says in everything that Allah created in it, there's a lesson for man if man would be mindful. You're in a book where nothing in it is false. Why should I waste time with your trying to be wise? Mm. If God is my teacher, let me feed from the truth. I feed from the words of God. I feed from the creation of God. So when I get up and say my prayers, I read the Quran or read the Bible, I go out and thank God for being able to live on a farm. and I ride in a little buggy <laughs> and I look at the roses and when I see they're about to bud I stop and and look at what God created I don't hear sirens I don't look at these concrete jungles mm. I want to feed on God that's where my peace comes from I'm not saying I'm a holy man or nothing like that. I'm, I just feel good being enveloped by what God has created. What does my day look like? Ask those around me. I was told a lot of work. <laughs> and what is my work? Mm -hmm. See, my work is teaching. I've been taught by a master. I didn't graduate from college. I finished my third year and my little girlfriend got pregnant and I didn't want to stay for the fourth year because I wanted to be a man. She's pregnant, I had to take care of her and whatever that offspring was that she would bring into this world. So I left my college. She wanted me to continue. My mother wanted me to continue. But I always wanted to be a man. I'm not the type of man to let a woman do for me. Except what she's required to do in a marriage relationship. When I was a, a little boy and I had a girlfriend, she couldn't spend her money. 
and sometimes she had more than me. Mm. But when all my money was done that I spent for both of us to have ice cream from the <laughs> ice cream parlor or, or some little thing that we would do, I would not let her spend her money on me because a real man don't let a woman take care of him. Can no woman love a man that she's taken care of? You become her child. Her mm -hmm. voice is stronger than yours in the house. So don't even try to boss her around because she the boss and she knows it even if she don't say it. This bum, he don't have a job. Listen, you ain't working. never lie. I ain't never lie. Listen, I'm so glad it's coming from you. <laughs> but my sister, this is real. Yeah. That's the kind of man I wanted to be. I told my wife when we were just girl and boyfriend. I don't ever want no man coming to my house taking my furniture. So I wouldn't buy it if I couldn't afford it. I saved my money and when I could afford it I bought it because I know it was mine. I wasn't paying on time and if I missed it you gonna come and get it. I bought a car one time and I missed three payments because it was hard times. <laughs> <laughs> and the white man said he was coming to get it. I went right in his office. I said, I'm not going to let you take advantage of a hard time that I have. I'm not a thief. I will pay you. But if you come to get that car, I'll burn the car to the <laughs> ground. No, I'm not joking. Wow. I told him I'll kill you. He knew I wasn't playing. See, crazy niggas are the ones that they don't bother too much. <laughs> What? Well, <laughs> and 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 Kenny Gamble, Luke Mann, asked me his his school was having, you know, uh, what do you call it, class reunion, mm -hmm. and he wanted to bring me there to speak, and he gave me five thousand dollars for the speech, and I went right to that man that I owed. I said, "Here's your money." You know. God favors you when you're willing to die for something. Mm. That's right. Yes, sir. I bought a gun. My teacher didn't teach me this. But in the day when my teacher was gone, I came a little crazy, you know. <laughs> and I bought a gun for my wife and I bought a gun for me. We lived in a neighborhood that was kind of like when you get a place and you don't really understand your surroundings. They didn't want no black folk in there, but there was one or two hanging around. But they came and threw bottle in my window and my little granddaughter was sleeping on the floor. I got my pistol and I went looking for him. And then I decided to go right to the police station. See, there's something about this man, Elijah. <laughs> that when you know him, he takes fear out of you when you know yourself and you know God. You're not a weak, spineless, punctified man. 
So I went in the police station and asked for the chief, whoever was the head of that. I said, sir, I went out a few days ago and I bought two guns, one for my wife and one for me. I said, now you all know how to make examples of little black children that are doing something wrong, but you don't know how to do that for your own, but I do. <laughs> so the next little white boy that comes throwing something in my window, I'm gonna put a bullet in his, you know what. They said, Farrakhan, if you do it, we'll come after you. I said, you just have to do that. I ain't never seen them white people. Ain't nobody ever throw no more stuff in my window. There comes a time in your life when you can't take no more. Mm -hmm. That's the time you decide it's either life or death, but tyranny has to cease. That's the time we're living in now. No more Trevon Martin. Mm. No more Tamir Rice, no more Eric Garner, because that's always gonna be until we decide. Yes. That must end. And when you decide that it will end, it will end, because then you're ready to pay whatever the price is mm -hmm. to bring it to an end. May God bless us. You got one more question? Oh, that's it. It's time. It's time. <laughs> well, I thank you, my dear sister. Thank you. Thank you for your spirit, for the beauty of your heart and your questions. And to your audience, I thank you for listening. Wee! Hey, man, if you, if, you, if you ain't got nothing to share, I mean, he done hit on so many topics. In that bad boy right there, come on, man. Is 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 our sister on that had that question yesterday about Muslim? Why do we say Muslim and Islam when we talk about the children of Israel? Is that sister on who asked that question yesterday? Let me tell you how God works. I recall that question live maybe about 30 minutes ago. I said, dang, I forgot to get that clip yesterday. Tell me why. I remembered the lecture, right? I mean, God is so good. I remembered the lecture, and I just remember it's towards the end. Tell me why when I, I just, you know how you swipe that little thing, and I just went to the end, and it went to the very spot that I needed. So I was able to screen record it and send it to myself. I ain't even had to watch the lecture. I'm talking about I went straight to it. Boom. God, dog. Okay, so I'm going to play it. So for those who may be on, a sister asked a question yesterday. She was like, well, you know, being that, you know, we say we the real children of Israel and this and, you know, Hebrew. And, you know, why are we saying that we're Muslim? Why are we saying that we're Islam? And then she was trying to understand that. And I was trying to, I, I broke down to her yesterday, the, the meaning of Islam and the meaning of Muslim. Well, this brother asked the minister a question. If the Quran says that he Allah accept nothing besides Islam on the day of judgment. Why, when you go into the churches, you don't tell them that? Why don't you tell them you got to become 
Uh, and, the, and the answer that the minister gave was so beautiful. And I really want the believers that's listening right now to, to really take notes. I mean, it's really a, 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 a beautiful method. It's not just about giving our people the truth. It's the truth. Damn it. And if you don't, I don't deliver the clear message. No, we can't do it like that. We got to be strategic. So I want y'all to listen to this carefully, man, because the minister beautifully broke this down. And I think it'll help us with our fishing. Check it out. He says that on Judgment Day, those who come with religion other than Islam will not be accepted. That's true. Of course. The Holy Quran teaches that if you come up with a religion other than Islam, Allah will not accept it from you. Is that right? Then you read in the Quran those who are Jews and those who are Sabians. Those who believe in Allah and the last day, they have their reward. Now, how do you harmonize that by saying that when I go to a church, I don't try to convert those people to Islam. Then am I then aiding them in destruction if on the judgment, if they come up with a religion other than Islam? No. It's really great when you understand. See, everything that I'm doing, if you study, not just look at the man, but look at the method. There's a technique that I am using to further the work of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Now, have you heard the Honorable Elijah Muhammad say that all black people are Muslim by nature? You, you heard him say that? You read it? Okay, you read it. Now, if all of us are Muslim by nature, then you can't convert anybody to Islam. The lesson the Savior never said convert the people. He said his greatest teaching was accept your own and be yourself. What is yourself? A righteous Muslim. Okay. Now, when I go to church, I talk to Christian people who have the word of a man called Jesus. Do we recognize Jesus? Yes, sir. We do. Yes, sir. Every Muslim recognizes Jesus. Is that right? Yes, sir. Then we recognize Jesus' revelation called the Injil or the good news. So when I go to church, I know that the truth that Jesus taught is there. They may be confused, but it's there. And I also know that the nature of the people is righteousness. And I also know, listen to me carefully now, that when you talk about converting people, you frighten them. Now, a person has been Baptist all their life. How do you tell a Baptist that's been a Baptist 60 years, come on over, I'm going to make you a Muslim. <laughs> now just listen to what I'm saying. They say, Muslim, what is that? Then they begin to see Muslim as, oh, I got to change my dress. Or they see Muslim as, I got to wear a headpiece, or I got to do this, or I got to do that. And they make the jump. Okay, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And they... 
and they leap from the church over to the mosque and never quite make it. They neither this nor that. They're somewhere in between lost, never have made it. And believe me, brother, Imam Wazdeen Muhammad proved that many who claimed to be Muslims had not quite made it yet. So here's the way I approach it. And I, I'm telling you straight up, I'm a scientist. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm a scientist. What I mean by a scientist is I look for the best method to get the message over to our people and make them comfortable while you're giving them a message. Once you make people afraid, once you make them think, oh my God, I got to change out of this in order to be that, in order for God to accept me, then you set up all kind of psychological trauma in that person's mind. I want you to know you're already accepted by God. He has already chosen you to be his people in the church, in the prostitution house. You steal the people of God. You messed up, but he chose you. Now, how do I get you out? Well, if I took you out of the church, where am I going to put you? We ain't got enough room here for everybody that's in the church. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said the truth would be taught where? In the church. So I go right to the church where the people are Christians, where they believe in Jesus and the scripture that he brought. And then I give them the truth of the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad coming in the Injil through Jesus, through their belief as a Christian, and all of a sudden the church is on fire. Now, I haven't told them you got to be what I am because they're already what I am. That's right. Go ahead. So why plague their mind with that? I just keep on feeding the nature of them, which is righteousness, and before you know it, what happens in the church is the old rituals mm -hmm. that they begin to grow up out of, they leave it off. Yes, little by little, you see them growing right up in the church. And before you know it, the brother and sister in the church, they'll be with the music. But then somebody will say, we don't eat pork. Yes, I was in a church a couple of Wednesdays ago, and I started talking about the Immaculate Conception and what it meant. And the reverend jumped up and said, go ahead, because that's what he teaches his congregation. The truth is already there. Yes, sir. All you got to do is keep feeding the people. Yes, sir. And the people will grow into obedience to God. And what is Islam? Obedience to the will of God. So nothing will be accepted on that day but obedience to the will of God. You may call it Islam. They may call it Christianity. Somebody else may call it Judaism, but if it's obedience to God's will, you're going to make it. Yes. <laughs> Come on, man. Listen, I got, I got a couple questions for you all. If you're here for your first time, I want you to press the number one. If you're here for your very first time, I just want you to press the number one in the comment section go ahead and press the number one if if, if you here for your very first time oh we only got one on now we got to do a better job at getting some guests on this thing let's get it let's do a better job at getting some guests on this thing okay let me ask you this question 
Uh, if you have not attended an official in-person Nation of Islam study group, press the number one in the comment section. Okay, let's see if we can get some more number ones. If you have not attended an official Nation of Islam physical study group in person, press the number one. Okay, that's more like it. Okay, okay, okay. So a lot of y'all been here. So we got to work on our guests, family. We got to work on our guests. If someone from the Nation of Islam invited you on to check it out and check us out in the morning, get back with them. But if not, I would like to invite you all to be my guests because this teaching, as you see, is a powerful teaching. Obviously, you're coming on every morning. You're seeing what it's doing. I want to. I, I just want to bring the teachings to you in, in your comfort of your home, so you ain't gotta be afraid. So you ain't gotta uh, 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 drive somewhere and you believe in all that stuff they done said in your head. In, in, you know, in your head, you got all that going. Oh, they do this, all that. See, now you get the lecture in full, clean cut, uncut, uh, raw. So now you know exactly what the minister said. You know exactly what the minister meant, and you see his spirit. So now you getting introduced to him. For yourself. You ain't got to listen to what your uncle said. You hear the lectures right there for yourself. Now, my next question is, do you believe what you heard today to be true and good for black people? Just put yes in the comment section. If you believe what you heard today is good and true and beneficial for our people, just put the word yes in the comment section. Now, I would like to invite you all. To, to, to go out to your local city, your local mosque, and see and, 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 and check out the study circle that we have on Fridays. So tomorrow, I want to invite you out to be my special guest. I want you guys to go to www.noistudygroup.com. We're going to help you find, locate a local Muhammad mosque or study group. We're going to get you there. They're going to take care of you once you get there. But I want y'all to at least be able to experience it. You ain't got to join if you don't want to join. You, that's between you and Allah. But I just want to invite y'all to the study group this Friday, which is tomorrow. Man, those study guys that we go over is so important, just as powerful or more powerful than you're going to see on these lectures here because you in person. You get to feel the energy. Student minister going to be there to answer questions and things of that nature. So I really think that y'all like it. So if y'all would like to be my guest, go to www.noistudygroup.com. Fill out that short form and we're going to reach out to you and help you out. Now, on Zoom, raise your hand if you got something you would like to share from the Honorable Minister Lewis Farrakhan's lecture. I mean, he said so much. We should see all hands go up this morning. We should see all kind of hands be flying up this morning. Go ahead, raise your hand, family, if you got something that you would like to share based on what the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said this morning uh, on our call. I mean, man, I got so many notes myself. Shoot. Okay, let's start off with, uh, uh-oh, let's start off with Brother Ben. Go ahead, Brother Ben. Uh, peace, fam, peace, fam. Uh, yeah, so when the minister was talking about uh, separation, and I know, you know, I mean, sometimes we have these goals and objectives, but we need to break them down. You know, so how did I, so how did I internalize that is that, you know, if we say we want to separate, then we have to create 
certain departments, you know, to bring that to existence. Like, you know, like we can have a department of a group of brothers and sisters, you know, that can go out in the field, you know, to raise the consciousness of our people. Then, you know, you can have a department, you know, with a group of brothers and sisters, you know, to go out, you know, and identify land and things of that sort, you know, because what I'm finding that we have a lot of great goals, but, you know, we don't have the structure and the strategy, you know, to bring it into existence. So it's kind of like different phases of, you know, like when you motivate a group of people, you know, it's like what I described is the pep rally phase, you know, and that's kind of like to like really pep you up, you know what I mean, to participate. Now you have to look at the nuts and bolts as to how this separation thing would bring about. Perfect example. I, I used to live in Atlanta for about eight years. <laughs> You know, and I, uh, you know, went to mosque number 15 and I kind of really, you know, studied the regional minister out there, you know, as how he could take the instructions from the minister and execute, you know, and like he has the ability, you know, to take the instruction, then he'll go through a pep rally phase and then it's execution and then he'll have these departments that, yeah, you go do this and you go do that and do that. So that's kind of like what I got from the ministers, like, you know, when he was talking about the separation, which we all know that, you know, that we should be working towards, you know, but to say it and to do it is another thing. So I just wanted to share that with the family. I appreciate you allowing me to share. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, family, raise your hand now. I know we ain't got just one brother uh, got something to share after that bona fide Message from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. He answers so many topics. Let's go to Sister Brianna. Assalamualaikum, family. <laughs> so, that was amazing. I'm actually going to add to the brother's wisdom because he brought up Atlanta. And yesterday, uh, and even today, he said separation is better than prayer. It don't matter how much you're praying if you're staying in the condition that puts you where you are mm. and that doesn't always mean physical that means people too i was speaking to one of my friends last night and he was like oh well you know this person has known me for two and a half years i'm like no they don't you aren't even that person anymore they don't know you are they willing to learn the new you the old you that was in the streets doing whatever now you're you're, you're walking your righteous path they don't know you Stop telling yourself that lie. Um, but yesterday, or, and, and, and even today, it's separation. And he said that we're all trying to go to different states. We need to pick some states. And I've heard this before, but I got to remind you, I was listening to an uh, interview with Dr. Bobby Price, Dr. Holistic, right? And I got reminded that anywhere, I believe, north of Atlanta, the vitamin D deficiency increases. I think, in my opinion, that's another reason why um, the minister or messenger will tell us if we want to move to three states. Of course, there are others, but let it be Georgia, um, Alabama, and then Mississippi. I don't know where Mississippi is. Geography is not my thing. But I'm just saying, anything more than Atlanta, you're getting good vitamin D. And especially as original Black people, we need that vitamin D. It allows our body 
um, to kick in, the immune system to tell our body, hey, go fight that, go fight this. The last thing I have is, he said, back in the day, we were fighting for justice. We were fighting for acceptance. Why would I want to use the same toilet as a white man? No, we want to fight for and build something for ourselves. I sound like a... <laughs> well, salam. Thank you. Sister Deborah. One second, one second, one second. Somebody said, Brother Ben, can you tell people on our um, social media how they can join the Zoom? Absolutely. Text the word NATION to 833-276-7174, and it's going to respond with the Zoom link and passcode. Again, text. So put in your phone, open up your text message, type in 833-276-7174, and then you're just going to type the word NATION and hit SEND. It's going to respond with a Zoom link and the passcode every Monday through Friday. We on at 8 a.m. Central Time. Go ahead, uh, Sister Deborah. Um, blessings, everyone. Um, what stood out to me most was when the Honorable Minister Falcon said integration helped them and not us because we are big consumers. Oh, my goodness. I have been um, always been a frugal spender. But just by listening um, to this lecture, I'm like, I don't need to read no finance books. This all I need to hear was what you played today. Thank you. <laughs> wow. And Sister Deborah, did I hear that you visited the Mars recently? Yes, sir. And I converted over. Come on. But I have always um, followed Islam and the nation. But I was just, as I put in the telegram, I was just dragging my feet. But I know where I needed to be. So I do. <laughs> Look at that. Woo! Boy, 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 boy. We so glad. And the devil is so mad that he lost a soul that he thought he had. <laughs> Come on, man. Shout out to Sister Desiree as well. I heard that she was able to help you in that journey as well. Look at this power call, man. Let's go over to uh, Brother Wesley. Assalamu alaikum, family. That's beautiful. Um, I, I wanted to just stand on uh, the reaping and sowing is always an effect. Uh, cause and effect, I mean, excuse me, yeah. cause and effect is the universal law. And I've always been taught that. And we can know that in, in just practical things as well. I know in what I've been doing right now, just in working on my, my consumption of food, if I step outside, my face show instantly when I made a mistake. So that cause and effect is always um, in motion and always the law of the land for sure. And then also I wanted to speak on that word that he brought up about enamored um, and how we can become enamored with the pleasures of the world. And that word means to be filled with love. And if we fill with love for what the enemy has, we have no room for Allah. So we have to make sure that we're careful about that, that pleasure of the eyes and the pleasure of everything else in this world and make sure that we feel with love of Allah and make sure that we're doing what we can to please him and not the enemy. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam. Yes, sir. Again, those who are, uh, may be watching just came on on YouTube or just came on on the Zoom. If you would like to attend one of your local Muhammad Master study group, Go to www.noistudygroup.com, fill out that form, and we'll reach out to you and make sure that you get contacted ASAP, and we're going to help you uh, locate your, your local Muhammad Mosque and study group and get you on in there, man, so you can have your first experience. And after you go, 
let us know in the telegram so when we come on in the morning we can get feedback on your first time and you know what you thought about it and things of that nature we want to always get feedback uh sister yasina So my my takeaways were when the minister said we've marched, we sat down and done things that remove dignity from us to be accepted. We've never tried unity. And even though we talk unity, we don't know what it is. But that but the enemy does. And, you know, coming from the south and seeing how, you know, even here in Detroit, how we as a people, we we flock to try to please white people to be accepted by them um but when we when it comes to us having unity and us doing things together there's always that discourse but we are quick to when they what you know when they're involved in it we're quick to do the yes sir no sir and agreeing and applaud you know what they're doing but you know it's, it's still in even in 2023 with all the lynchings and, and the beatings and killings, it's still hard for us to see what the messenger said is that our, our unity is more powerful than an atomic bomb. So, you know, and we're still marching. So, you know, to get us to get away from that point uh, and start really looking at this thing, I'm, you know, I'm, I just keep doing my part. But then when he talked about Pope Francis asking the people of Ecuador, Bolivia, uh, and other countries to forgive the church for the sins and for the murders and um, that they committed um, here in or in Canada last I think it was last year year before last they uncovered the bodies of indigenous people of indigenous children um, where the ch where the church went in and they took over that land and they house those children in orphanages and they slaughtered them just like it, they like they do here just like they do in the united you know here with our people but they but they're not out offering reparations they're not offering the families of those victims anything just like they're doing for just like they do with us and it goes back to what we were talking what we we'll say yesterday you know we can't uh we, we, we we're gonna have to force them to give us what we need what we're asking for, but we've got to come together. And the last part was when he talked about us as women, how, you know, even men, but when more so black women, how we quick to use the B word and, and think that's a term of endearment, but it's not. And the only way that's going to change is that we stop just like with the N word, stop taking something and something negative and trying to make it positive just so, you know, so you could, so we could feel good about using that word. A woman is a guy. She's not a, she's not a female dog. And we got to get not only not allow it to be said to one another, but we got to check other, we got to check one another, check our friends, check our, fa our, our family members when they start using those words, because God forbid somebody call my child a one of my children that you know it's not going to go well I mean, i don't want but we got to start now because we don't want perpetual generations of um women thinking that that's cute because it's not cute and if you if you think that you're a female dog then you're you're then you're prone to act like a female dog and we're trying to create guys we're not trying to create dogs as some like well like salam one of the things that stood out to me the minister says whatever you put out expect it back 
This is the time of judgment and justice. Horrible hour for the wicked. Great hour for those who have suffered at their hands. Um, it reminds me of something Brother Neary said. Brother Neary said, we are living in the day of judgment. Again, I told y'all I used to be spooky and I used to think that there was going to be some big line in the sky and we was going to be lining up to see God. And I picture God as like this big ball of green energy when I was young. I don't know why. But I thought we was going to be in this long line. He said, Brother Neary, every decision that we make is leading us closer to heaven or closer to hell. Because heaven and hell are two conditions of the mind. It's two conditions that we're living in right now. He said, if you ain't got no money, you broke as hell. You sad. Hey, man, I'm sad as hell. So these are conditions that we're living in. And what comes to my mind, I thought about this years ago when I first was coming into that understanding. That if that's true, uh, we're living in the day of judgment. And as the minister just says here, this is the time of judgment and justice, horrible hour for the wicked, great hour for those who suffered. Our job ain't to try to figure out, man, what's, man, what's happening in the future. We can try to do that, have foresight and, you know, keep up with the news and what's coming up in the future. But, man, as long as I keep, keep in the bosom of God and stay on his side and keep my hand in his hand, it's going to be a great hour for me. It's going to be a great hour for you because our justice or our judgment, we're going to be what? As we talk, the winners in the end. So we just follow him. Like we ain't got to be trying to, I mean, we, I'm glad. Listen, people be like, man, I ain't, I'm a, I leave myself. Yeah. You leading yourself to hell. Look at the condition you in talking about. I leave myself. The condition that we in bears witness that we need a leader, not just some leader that we following blindly that ain't going to teach us nothing and grow us up into a God. But, man, I'm man, I'm glad I ain't got to do all that work of leading 40 plus million black people. I'm glad that we got a man and I miss who has been raised by God that can see and can I'm talking about when he said God follows him and backs him when he can tell us about the weather. When he can tell us about what's about to go down, when he can tell us about, hey, man, don't take this vaccine. And then we now starting to see the effects of it and what they coming out and what's being exposed. I'm glad I had to go figure all that out myself. I could just hear and obey. Oh, what did he say? OK, bet. It makes our job easier. So, man, I, I love it. So as long as we just stay in line with the truth, man. We'll be on the right side of that justice. So we don't have nothing to worry about. So there's a quote as I pass this off. It says, uh, if I say, I, I can't wait till you get what you deserve. You're going to get what you deserve. Based on how you interpreted that is based on how you live your life. If you've been living wicked, if I say, I hope you get everything you deserve. You may say, damn, he trying to, you know, karma finna kick in. But if you've been living a righteous life, if you've been doing good, you've been putting out good deeds. If I say you're going to get everything you deserve, that's going to be something good that's going to be coming to you based on what you done been putting out. So it's just easy when we follow. We ain't got to worry about every single thing. We keep our hands in God's hand and we're going to be the winner in the end. Let's go to Sister Christina. Oh, yes. Um, peace, everyone. Um, 
what stood out for me um, with the honorable minister mentioned is that um, it takes us to love ourselves before we can love our brothers. And it just makes me think that, um, number one, when the colonizers came in and stripped us of our identities, our ancestors, um, some way we became disconnected with the love for ourselves to let someone else come in and strip us of what we, how we were living, what was working for us, what elevated us. And um, also the second thing that he mentioned was that you can tell um, the, um, what a nation is like by their women. And um, us as women, we, I look at us as healers. And um, if we are unhealed, it's no way that we can uh, run a household and um, help to strengthen our um, counterparts. And um, it really takes us to know ourselves. And Sister Yasina brought up an excellent point that when we identify ourselves as, you know, um, B words and whatever other choice words, it opens the door even though we're essentially taking um, a word and, you know, kind of changing what it means for us, we're using that word or whatever words we choose to identify and connect with other sisters. And it's crazy because um, we open the door for outside, outside people to take the same words and use it towards us. And they have their own meanings and the original meanings in itself. But the whole point is we lost love for ourselves and we, it's no way that we can love anyone else if we don't love ourselves. And we can, we can see just with our own communities, just how much love we have for ourselves in the first place. And that's it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I don't know what that is. Why has it got me twice on here? Y'all see that? It's interesting. Probably. What in the world? Always tripping. Okay, let's go to uh, brother, brother Rockmile. Assalamu alaikum, family. Can you hear me? Waalaikumsalam, yes, sir. Greetings. So, um, I, I'm, I just wanted to touch on one point, um, real quickly. Uh, that just stuck out to me when we were listening to the interview with the sister. But you know, an in, in instant correlation kind of uh came up in my mind about uh when you were speaking on how biblically, biblically, how the children of Israel were adorn adorning the wealth and how they were admiring the wealth of, of pharaoh and an instant correlation kind of just came up in my mind between you know what it is god did back then and, and what it is you know he's doing now if you're looking at current events and, and and keeping up with time um and i just found it very interesting i just went to share um shared with uh you all briefly but um 
you know, just to see what God did, you know, biblically, how, you know, he started to take away the wealth of Pharaoh, you know, so that we would come away from that. Um, it's just very interesting. If you look at, you know, current events, you look at the dollar now, you know, how, you know, what Russia and China are doing to kind of almost put America in a financial pinch, you know, and, and to really crash the U.S. dollar. You know, it's kind of, um, it's, it's very interesting to see those two correlations, you know, and, and how, you know, um, you know, the dollar's crashing now. You know, I just found that very interesting. So, you know, I just wanted to, you know, share that. As-salamu alaykum, family. Alaykum salam. Yes, sir. Thank you. Brother Daniel. As-salamu alaykum, family. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. This, uh, I thank you. I thank, uh, I, I thank you, brother Ben, for, uh, for this, for playing this, bro. And I know this wasn't, uh, wasn't the original one, but I believe everything happens for a purpose. You know, uh, I, I look at this time period, man, it's caused some, uh, caused me to do some deep introspection. Um, I was thinking about what led up to this moment, this um, this uh, Justice or Elf's piece, like right when uh, Mike Brown, this is right out the Mike Brown situation. And, um, and that was right before I left. You know, I was in uh, St. Louis at that time. And, um, and I remember leaving St. Louis because I was in the midst of doing some things that were actually... It was dealing with the, I had just got trained with the Dianetics Audit and Peace, right? So I got a hold of the tool, but um, I aborted that journey for a minute. And I was, I felt like, uh, in retrospect, I was like Jonah in a sense. And I left Nineveh and I left and I made a trip to go to Detroit. And then I got a lot of stimulations because I aborted that journey. And I remember my sister was um was deeply involved in that protest thing after Mike Brown situation was going on, and the city was going up like like crazy, and we was working with the youth back in St. Louis with the Hip Hop Dynasty in peace, and I left, and uh, my sister and I was caught up in this protest, but they didn't know who the true enemy was, the Zionists that was behind the scenes, so they got caught up in that Trump situation, and um. And my sister sent me pictures that they had, and um, and a pit, one of the pictures she had was Strange Fruit because she was was one of the lead organizers with uh, with this uh, group called um, Lost Voices. And um, so when I went back home, make a long story short, um, when it says every deed has its consequence, I had um, my little nephew. Um, I'm personally re reaching out here and I began to drop some of my mask and I had a very deep, authentic talk with him. And right after then, my, my nephew, we found my nephew lynched in our backyard. And, um, and I took like several pictures of him right before we took him down out of the tree. And I had, and I had deep pain and speaking of justice or else, I had deep pain all in my back and um, it was like deep, deep pain. And I had to take personal responsibility for the situation because, you know, every deed has a consequence. And I, I looked at that situation with Jonah when when the Jonah was, went astray and every the, 
the hurricane came, the winds came, the storms came on that ship, and he knew what he was supposed to be doing within his own self. So he had to go with that self-examination, that self-analysis. And it wasn't until he took a personal account of responsibility over that situation that he told him to throw him aboard. And when he was in that big fish, he had to self-correction because that was the basis by which he was to be let out of that whole situation. And, um, and uh, what was I going with that? Yeah, so right after that situation, I noticed that the pain didn't go away until I took personal responsibility. Now, I looked at the pictures that I took, and I said, that lynching in my, of my nephew, that is what I was doing with my own self-accusing spirit. That is what I was doing to the God within. Because, you know, Ms. Farrakhan said, every time we steal that small accusing voice within, we actually killing the messenger of God within ourselves. We lynching that voice within ourselves. And as soon as I took responsibility over that situation, I noticed my pain went away in my back. Wow. And um, because I couldn't sleep without having um, I couldn't sleep without having a um, a heating pad. And um, and I noticed I was talking with a brother. It's a brother that's actually that was on the line, and I was talking with this brother. Uh, his brother named Sean. I talked to him for about an hour and I was telling him about that. And by the time I finished the conversation, I noticed the pain was gone to the degree that I took, I had to take response responsibility for the situation. Like what is this? Cause everything in my environment is a mirror of something that's within myself. So the last thing I want to say on that, the thing that came to my mind was what produces suffering. And it was a formula that I got, and it says form suffering equals change multiplied by resistance. Change multiplied by resistance. And one of the things that's constant in this universe is change. So change, I couldn't affect the change. But the resistance, to whatever degree that I was resisting, I had resistance to the change that produced my suffering. So if I had one degree of resistance and things is constantly changing and my changes were like a 10 then my suffering was going to be a 10 so if i had a resistance of 20 multiplied by the change then that change is going to be more suffering when i stop resisting to the degree that i stop resisting the change then the suffering ended but um that's the last piece i know my time's up yes sir Thank you, sister. Yes, is it Shamika? Shamika Tanin. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Um, Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam. Um, I would like to uh, point out what uh, Minister Farrakhan was uh, speaking about: love thy neighbor. Um, on an experience, I actually experienced. Um, I remember at a time. Uh, I think from two thousand. In eight to 2018, I think I was homeless on and off for like six times, I think. But anyway, in the meanwhile, when I went to try to get help from the county to help me move, I remember at a time that it was a family member that I asked, I said, why won't you go back to school? They said to me that, well, I can't read. And that's why I won't go back to school. So 
I always kept in the back of my mind, love thy neighbor. And I was going to get assistance for help. And I noticed that um, when I went to the county for help, a lot of the applications and stuff were like be thrown in the garbage, um, be on the shelf. And some of the and some of the workers will come and clean those up. Um, and then I also um, noticed that some of the people I asked them, I said, you know, they asked me, can you help me fill this application out? So I helped a couple people um, to fill the application out. But when a worker, uh, one time a worker called me over and said, what are you doing? I said, um, nothing. What, what do you mean? He said, what, he said, do you know those people over there? I said, no. Why? He said, he said, what are you talking to them about? I said, I'm talking to them about helping them fill the application out. Um, you know, cause some of them say they can't read. And the worker said to me, you know, you know, Miss Murray, if you go and help those people, especially the people that you don't know, fill that application out, you know, you'll be taking our jobs. Right. And I just looked and said, I still help people no matter what he said, but they gave me a hard time down there at the county, though. And the other one other thing I want to mention is um, about the 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 justice that uh, Minister Farrakhan mentioned, the um, God of justice, reaping time. I'm actually um, experiencing a time where I'm experiencing in my life right now where I have been a healthcare worker since 2004 and 2000, until 2017. I have been in a total of three accidents on uh, our local bus here. That's, I guess, a government entity. But when um, I tried to look and um, figure out what was going on, why attorneys wouldn't set me and all this and that. Cause I had one accident, 2017, I had to have surgery. I had another accident in October of last year and I had another one in February. But when I um, bring it back to the, the constitution of amendment 13 and 14, especially 14, you know, um, a lot of my rights was violated. Plus, on top of that, I kept looking because um, in the Constitution book, um, showing that um, Native people, which I am a Native and also Black, um, that we cannot sue a government entity. So I'm like, why don't they just tell me, educate me on that? That's the reason why they won't take me. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I would like to end with another thing that stood out. Oh, wait. Nope. Let me go. Let me let Sister Sacred go. Go ahead, Sister Sacred. Okay. Good morning. Can everyone hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. I just wanted to say really quick one. Uh, thank you, first off, for bringing this um, virtual power learning. This is just amazing. And then from this morning's lesson when the minister was stating to um, that it's the responsibility of the women to protect the children. I don't know if um, some of you saw last night in the news where they just released this video of the um, white police officer um, socking that um, mother in the face twice when she was trying to protect her three-week old child i guess they pulled over a car full of um people 
And although the children weren't properly protected in the car, you know, they weren't in car seats. I, I think it was four women. They were holding the babies in their laps, but still to be yanked out of the car and these police trying to yank a three week old um, baby out of the arms of that woman. And she was trying to protect. Um, it just hit me um, really hard. And um, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then to see a grown man just, um, with all his power, socked that woman in the face. And then the video just to be released. This happened a whole year ago, and we're just seeing it right now. It was just devastating. And I was just wondering, it used to be a time where if if people were getting arrested, you would had an opportunity to call a family member to come get your child, especially when children are involved. It just made me think, where are they taking um, these children? Will this you know, mother see her child again um, when they're in the custody of the police or foster or whoever they were trying to take the children to, what were they going to do to them? Were they going to inject them with, you know, these COVID vaccines and just a whole bunch of things started wondering. And then just to hear the um, minister say that this morning, um, because that was on my mind from last night. And for him to say that this morning just hit me um, in a very, very powerful way, but I thank you. And that's it. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. I guess, I guess, uh, it was all in the last plan for me to play this one instead of that other one. I still want to find that other one though. I'll see if I can download it somewhere, but, uh, that we, we are out of time. I thank you all for coming on this morning. If you would like to come on the zoom with us every morning, uh, Monday through Friday, 8 AM text the word nation to 833-276- Seven one seven four eight three three two seven six seven one seven four. And if you would like to be my guest tomorrow, I would like for you guys to go out and go to an actual study group uh, session. And the sessions are called self improvement, the basis for community development. Oftentimes, we point at everybody else. It's their fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. But on Fridays, it's called self improvement study guide. So. It's going to hit something that you're dealing with. And if you would like to be my guest, go to www.noistudygroup.com, www.noistudygroup.com. If somebody who's already a registered member invited you, just get back with them and be their guest. But if not, www.noistudygroup.com. Assalamu alaikum, family. See you guys tomorrow, inshallah.